Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, and welcome to a segment that we like to call It's Too Fucking Long for the News Section of the Show, but Too Fucking Short for an Actual Episode. <laughs> we're, we're workshopping the name. Right. We're workshopping the name. I like it. No, welcome to our first, I believe this is our first, Bradley, bonus episode. Where yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I, I consider the episode zeros and the recaps technically are bonus episodes. I, at least that's the way I categorize them on uh, Apple Podcasts. But right. They... But this is the first one that's going to come out not on right. a Monday. Exactly. This is the first true bonus episode we have where it's we're covering a random thing that we want to cover. If you haven't figured it out by now, what's going on is that there are some Star Wars stuff that's coming out as things start ramping up again, where things are going to be a little too meaty for the opening section of the main Monday show, but also a little too short to be full episodes on their own. So we wanted to take a little bit of time to sit down and talk about some of these things Maybe not in the full depth that they deserve, but definitely more than five or ten minutes before we start talking about another TV episode. Now, I do want to acknowledge, before we jump into it, uh, we did mention on a previous episode, and up until recently, part of the reason this Visions one is taking so damn long (laughs) to get out, uh, we were hoping to have a guest on. Uh, We were trying to make scheduling conflicts with her work. Unfortunately, she did have a last-minute personal issue came up that just made it not viable for her to be on so that is is why we referenced a guest and we don't currently have one um if you are in a position to call the people in your life that are close to you and tell them that you love them uh i would recommend doing that if you haven't recently Uh, if that's something that's healthy for you to be able to do i agree and on that note, um, let's dive into talking about visions. Absolutely. Um, well, I don't have a really like fancy. Uh, you don't want to recap visions. I don't have like a fancy scripted like thing for visions, but yeah. So I guess we could just talk about what it is first of all. Yeah. So visions is a collection of anime short films. Uh, they pronounce it anime in some of the behind the scenes features, which I find just fucking hilarious Um, (laughs) but it's a series of short films that dropped on disney plus a couple of weeks ago bradley and i have both watched them obviously Uh, i have also watched the behind the scenes featurettes they were a lot of fucking fun i'll tell you that oh for sure i was thinking um this is probably the most fun star wars has felt in a long time I've been listening because I I was avoiding for a long time listening to other people's coverage on Visions. And then as as the days wore on where we hadn't put this episode out yet, I was like, okay, fine, I'll go listen to some other opinions on it because I'm being inundated with them. And one of the common threads that people have been saying that I agree with is that this series did such a good job of capturing like the fun energetic creative spirit at the heart of the star wars franchise in a way that very few things have so directly captured 
Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Cause there were some, like, I was watching some of them and I was like, oh, that was cute. Or, oh, that was a fun thing. And then other ones I was kind of like, oh, that was, really wasn't for me, but like, I see where people would really enjoy that. Yeah. I had the benefit of, I watched them with someone. Mm. So my boyfriend and I watched them together. He is a big anime fan, but he barely knows anything about Star Wars. And I co-host a Star Wars podcast (laughs) and I know barely anything about anime. Uh, Everything I've learned about it, I've, well, I don't want to say everything I've learned against my will, but it took some convincing. Uh, But we actually watched it together. So it was interesting to get his perspective because he absolutely fucking loved it. He just, he loved it. He couldn't get it. He was talking about it for days afterwards. Wow. And I think it's it's because it captured that fun spirit so well that he was super getting into it. Yeah, and I want to preface too, like going into watching Visions, I, when it was first announced, I just kind of rolled my eyes. Like I- You were I, mad on it. Yeah, I just, I literally, there's, here's my thing. I actually can't stand anime. I really hate it. I think it's just- garbage most of the time but there are the few standouts obviously of certain shows that exist in the ether that i actually like um now t- to be fair some all these uh, anime fans are gonna be really mad at me a lot of them are american cartoons that are american anime cartoons that, um, are, so doing, they don't, that are doing the style right so are, they don't really count but um you can just say Avatar The Last Airbender, Bradley. Just, just, <laughs> okay. just say Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, we all like... know that you're talking about that show. <laughs> so things like that, like Avatar, or like, honestly, I don't watch it for the plot or anything, but sometimes I watch it just because I like Pokemon. But like, I watch the Pokemon anime sometimes. And that is, I mean, I would argue that it's not really Japanese anime anymore. Like, it may, maybe the first, like, iteration of the show was but after like a while it becomes like an american cartoon (laughs) so yeah so my best friend uh and co-writer he actually super into anime uh so Mm -hmm. he actually got me to watch a a lot of it in college and i'll go through like blips to where there'll be like a month-long period where we'll be like i'll watch two or three shows that i find interesting and i'll wander off to do something else So one of the things uh, I was going to mention is that I was talking about like Americanized anime versus like the Japanese, traditional Japanese anime. I like to think of like, there's different types of styles to like anime, which is great because this show has a bunch of different styles, but like I enjoy certain kinds. This show is a great. Right. I enjoy certain kinds and I hate other kinds. So like one example that I'll give you is like I, when I think of anime, I think of the traditional style, which is that Sailor Moon-esque Naruto style. You know what I mean? Like the big eyes and it's super dramatic and, you know, whatever. That's what I think of. As a homosexual man, I I assume that you've seen Sailor Moon at least once. Uh, I've seen recently. I have recently watched several episodes of it. It's Maybe I'll go pick that up. Maybe I'll go pick that series up again after I finish The Owl House. I'm currently watching The Owl House. Oh. Um, but one thing I don't like and I absolutely hate in anime is not even the anime itself. It's the style of this anime. And funny enough, this actually was not the episode that I hated. 
but the 3D anime style that Netflix likes to use a lot. Okay. Which oh, is yeah. what the, the duel utilizes. Um, it's that weird CGI anime. And I like I think all the Godzilla shows on Netflix are in that style. They're, they're I actually know a little about this. There's there's been like a push in the past couple of years to do 3D anime in 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it has gone very badly. Gotcha. Uh, in particular, one that was cited to me uh, by people more knowledgeable about this than me. I haven't seen it myself, but apparently there was a Berserk remake that came out a few years ago uh, that was just fucking atrocious uh, and terrible. So they haven't quite figured out how to do 3D animation. I did like I think the interesting thing with the duel is how they like stylized the line work in it. So mm-hmm. it kind of hid maybe the problems with the 3D animation. Like I, I really right. liked the duel. And I think part of the reason I liked it was because it was so stylized the way it so, was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it hit a lot of the issues that I would have, like the jerkiness of the animation. Right. And that's what I hate about the 3D style anime is that they do have this, it has this weird jerky quality to it, which makes no sense. Like, it, I'm like, it's a computer animated animation, whatever. You can make it as smooth as you want. So the sheer fact that they're doing the jerkiness on purpose in re- other shows, not in the duel. I think in the duel, it works because it's stylized. Mm. In other shows, it just doesn't look like the movements don't look real. They don't look like the thing is there, the thing is moving, if that makes sense. I'll say this as sort of an example, and then we'll we'll move on, but an example from a different genre is, it's really impressive if you play a lot of indie games, which I do. Mm-hmm. If you play a lot of indie games, you can tell when someone knows their medium that they're working in well enough to be able to compensate for the limitations of the medium that they're using. Uh, so I know a solo developer and one of the best, the games that he makes, one of the best ones he makes tend to be static. So he doesn't have to do any 3D animation and he builds it around that. So I feel like the duel is something sort of similar where they wanted to do the 3D animation, but they knew that it was going to look kind of weird and choppy. So they were like, well, let's Kurosawa it up right. and make it like a black and white film. And I feel like that was really to its benefit. That is as good a segue as any, uh, (laughs) since we are keeping it shorter. We're not going to go on for two and a half hours today. Right. (laughs) Uh, Let's just just start with Bradley. What was your favorite one? Okay, so I actually, the way I look at it, is when I was watching this, I kind of had a fuck, Mary kill kind of situation with the I episodes. had the same situation. Oh my God. Let's, okay. let's see where you're going with this. Okay, so when I say, when I say uh, fuck an episode, I mean like it was weird and crazy and I just really enjoyed it. Like it wasn't my mm-hmm. favorite, but I just enjoyed it the most. So I'll say for my fuck episode, I think my fuck episode was the twins. I think I enjoyed just the weirdness of it. It pretty much had everything that people hate about Star Wars in it. And I think that's why I liked it the most. They, um, I, I'm sitting there going like, you're chopping a Star Destroyer in half it. 
going at light speed it's with a giant Voltron sword lightsaber. Exactly. This is like, I was looking at it, I was like, this literally is like something eight-year-old me would have come up with with his Legos. A hundred percent. And even the style, it's very childlike. Like, it's very, like, fun. Oh, yeah. Like, cutesy looking almost. Like, I think actually it has one of the better animation styles out of all the other ones. Um, Because I think the moments where they do do that weird dramatic, like, weird shit, that's when the episode, like, shines the most because, like, they get these weird perspectives and these weird angles and they do like these really cool shots and i don't know i just thought it was just the most fun episode so that's why i call it my fuck episode because like it was good one time like and i was like really enjoying it but i like i don't want to see a whole series on it like you know it's like a cute little one it's in a while kind of thing yeah and I'll, I'll say this you know right off the right up front right up front before we get too much further there's been a lot of discussion on a lot of other shows that i've listened to where they're talking about which ones do we want full series which one do we want to be short films and stay isolated as they are i'm in the camp that i like most of them just as the short films Uh i don't think any of there were very few of them like the ninth jedi maybe lapanocho I could see functioning as a, as a good pilot episode for something. Definitely the ninth Jedi, but the rest of them, I was just like, this is a very good piece of cinema that has a, a beginning and it ends at an appropriate place. And not all of them are going to tie off neatly, but if you've had to watch as many short films as film students have, Mm -hmm. and I used to be in the film program before Bradley knew where I was adjacent to the film program. At least I had to watch a fuckload of those things. Like they're not all going to end neatly. Right. And that's fine. Uh, But I'm definitely, the twins was one that I was like, this is just a really great, like it ends on a hopeful note. It's not quite tied everything up, but that wasn't its purpose. Its purpose was to have fun. Yeah, it does ending on that sense of hope the way it does is is really indicative to the franchise as a whole my mary episode which i i would say that this means that this was my favorite out of all of the episodes because i would watch it again um i'm gonna have to go with the ninth jedi um really yes jedi knight ethan (laughs) i thought the ninth jedi was so good because i felt like i was watching a series like i felt like i was watching a cartoon series like i didn't feel like i was watching love sex and robots or love death and robots or whatever like which is what most of this show is it's just one-offs you know right the the ninth jedi felt like i was watching a, a cartoon show that i would want to continue watching and i thought the voice acting in it was really good because there's two people in there that are well known um and I educate me on who those are because okay I watched this in Japanese oh because I was with I so I was again with you my went the real way to together <laughs> we went the real way together uh, right. at his insistence which is side tangent pain in the ass to do yeah pain in the ass to do on Disney Plus because you have to go in you have to change the <laughs> language track to japanese right. then you have to go in and put on the english subtitles 
And then the subtitles are on that black bar at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> like, it, yes. but educate us on who, who is in the voice cast in, okay, so in the, the Ninth Jedi that you liked because I didn't watch it in that track yet. The English track um, of the voice cast. So the main girl, um, she's voiced by Kamiko Glenn. Um, she did... Uh, she was in Orange is the New Black for a little bit, and then she was also in a couple other movies, but she does a lot of voice acting. Um, most people would know her for uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. She did Penny Parker, who is the uh, little um, Asian girl who is in the giant robot, spider robot. So that's that's just what she's known for. But um, she's also been in other TV shows and stuff, but she's really cute little Asian girl. She's, um, I love her. She's really great. But then the... Uh, male character um, in the show. I forget the, his name is, um, what is his name? Ethan, I think. It's Ethan. We have Ethan and Dan over the course of this series. Okay, so Ethan, you'll like this one. Ethan is played by uh, Masioka. Oh God, I hope I'm saying that name. He's an actor. Uh, He starred in the uh, NBC hit television series, heroes as hero nakamura really yes interesting so that was a fun little uh it was like oh i loved heroes and i loved hero in heroes so it was like he was the the male uh the main uh boy um and then the um i believe his name is lazima that might be the saber smith oh her dad duh i'm so stupid okay sorry yeah so Lazima that is, is true and accurate. Yes. So yes, Kamiko Glenn's dad in the um, series is voiced by Simu Liu. This is the one Simu Liu is in. Yes. Okay. So he plays the he plays the sabersmith in the Ninth Jedi. So, like I said, they're they they have this like stacked cast, right? In this one episode alone. I was thinking like, okay, this is getting like really good. Like they're really putting a lot of effort in this one. And like, like you said before, people online have said that this one could in fact be a full on television show. And I genuinely feel that. The thing I loved about the ninth Jedi one was the, the concept of the Kyber crystals changing color, depending on who wields them. Oh, I love that. Which goes all the way back to original drafts for Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's something I didn't know. That's something that I learned. But the way it's implemented, it's not just like a trivia fact. It's implemented to a great purpose in the short. Right. To where it's an element of their internal universe that they've created that serves not one not two, but three major narrative purposes. It's the source of our twist, which, by the way, I actively screamed when that happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love it. Uh, two, it, it shows the one guy's. So it, it like turns from red to purple. Yes. As he's inching back towards the light. They also did this in the twins where the guy's lightsaber starts out red and then it becomes purple and then it's blue uh, or like rainbow by the end of it. Yeah. But in the ninth Jedi, it literally illustrates him, him coming back. Right. And I thought that was the, probably the coolest thing. 
the girl's lightsaber like turns Luke Skywalker blue or green. Green, yeah. When the use of that, like this is the thing I like about these shorts. Everything is in there for a purpose. There's right. no extraneous. We don't have a scene where where Kira turns to the camera to explain to us uh, that the takedown she used was Terrace Kasi. Right. Like, we don't have moments like that. Everything is in there is in there for a purpose, and I dig that a lot. So, like, I like how each of the colors still do that representation of like the level of Jedi you are, kind of like. So with the Ethan character, his is blue because he's kind of not a youngling, but, you know, he's like an up and come. He's like a newer kind of Jedi, right? Or a younger right. kind of Jedi. And then you have the guy who was pretending to be a Sith, who his lightsaber turns purple. He's kind of like. Well, he was I, a Sith and then he kind of he kind of moved back. So it started as red right. and then it kind of moved to purple. Right. But I feel like that was more of him. Like he was he was being, he was around those Sith acolytes so long that he was starting to act like that. He was starting to like almost absorb their negative energy. And so I think that's why his was red first. And then when he goes to the purple, it kind of, you're like, wait, maybe he's more of like a, um, like that Mace Windu kind of character where it's more logical thinking, not like emotional thinking. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what purple means, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like kind of a different side of they, masterism. Yeah, they have uh, they have meanings and things. I've always, it's always bothered me when they ascribe meanings to the colors, but. But in this case, it means really yeah. effectively. It's yeah. used super effectively over the course of the short. Last thought is when her lightsaber turns green, what I took that as is someone who has more like raw potential, like instead of like true, like here's how you need to be a Jedi, you know, like kind of like in the in the um, sequel saga, like kind of the yellow is kind of that representation with Ray, like that yellow lightsaber is kind of like that. Here, I think the green is kind of more like you can be really skilled without having a lot of training because you kind of more want it more like you, she kind of wants to be a Jedi. She wants to like, and, you know, be that thing. And I don't know. I just really like that. So we're going to put a pin in your kill for now. We're going to come back to that one. Okay. We'll do that later. We're, we're going to put a pin. Cause I know which one you're going to talk about. Okay. But before I, I, I want to do, because I broke it along similar lines to you. So okay. when I talk about my quote unquote favorite Star Wars movies, I actually have three that I consider my favorite movies. So I have the one that I think is the best, the one that is my personal favorite and resonates with me the most, or the one that resonates with me the most rather, and the one that has occupied the most of my brain. <laughs> okay. Well, give the me... one that has occupied the most of my brain, I'll just say is the twins, because we already okay. talked about that. I've literally gotcha. not stopped thinking about the twins since I watched it. I think about the lightsaber holder maneuver without hyperbole literally once a day. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing about the way you can read the twins, too. And this is just a personal thing. Somebody pointed this out. And ever since I saw it online, I was like, Oh, oh, I'm definitely headcanning this now. So they're the same cell, right? We see yeah. in the twins, they're the same cell. 
and the cell splits apart. So they have to be genetically identical to each other. Right. But there's a boy and a girl. So one of the two has to be trans. Oh, interesting. That was a re- that was an interpretation of it, a reading of it that I saw that I was like, I've decided this is this is my reading of it now. Oh, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because if you're if the the cell is split in two and it's ad- yeah. identical, then yeah, they're identical twins. They're not fraternal. They're identical. So. They're identical twins. One of the two has to be trans in order for it to be a boy and a girl. Well, in my head canon, it is the girl because she is the coolest character in that episode. So I'm gonna <laughs> See, go with her. See, I, I favor the boy. Interesting. But it's personal. It's personal. That's just a really cool, like, way of interpreting it and reading it that maybe wasn't intended by the creators, but definitely is a cool way to read it. Okay, here, if you want to, if I'm really going to uh, blow your mind here, okay? Okay. So the, I'm going to give you that the boy is actually the trans one because, right, the whole, their whole purpose when they were created was to be Sith- whatever right and then he changes his viewpoint what he he knows that deep inside he's not evil he's not an evil person and so he knows that deep inside he's not himself and so he changes himself on the outside to be a good person that's him that's a euphemism for being trans there you go and and literally outwardly manifesting right that he was a good person and yeah. outwardly manifesting that other thing. That is a really cool read of that. There you go. That is a really cool read of that. And you could even Man, take it that... a step further and say that like the suits that they have to wear is like keeping them, like holding them back. Like the whole reason why they had to wear their little suits or whatever was to channel the power, but like he didn't want to wear yeah, the like suit. Yeah, they're like all, they're all keeping, and here's the thing, when he, when he rejects the suit, right? When yep. he rejects the conformity that the Sith acolytes yep. want to, the box that they want to force them into, when he rejects that, he becomes more powerful. Yep. He wins and escapes and does the thing. That Man, that is a really cool reading of this. <laughs> it is literally the twins has occupied my brain there you go. But the one the one that resonated with me the most. Okay. The one that like deeply touched me and I had to go stare at the wall for a minute uh, was The Village Bride. Ooh, okay. For two reasons. There's a shallow reason and a deeper reason. The shallow reason is because of all the shorts, it's the one that slots the most easily into canon. And as a canon junkie, it was the one that was the most rewarding for me to watch and go, yes, I can tell you exactly when this is happening. Ooh, okay. And I watched the behind the scenes feature, and from what I gathered of the behind the scenes feature, it's been a couple of days since I watched it. I believe that was the creator's intention, was to be like a story that could have taken place in this universe. So some creators, like they, like you can kind of watch it, and you can see which creators were more interested in making it kind of work in the canon, and which ones were like, we're going to take these ideas and we're going to do something different with them. So the shallow reason is just as a canon junkie, uh, the other shallow reason part two is uh, my girl's really out here with a fucking yellow lightsaber katana in heels. In high heels. Pulling, <laughs> high heels pulling this Jedi shit. And yeah. I'm like, I would die for you. <laughs> well, what I, I like to... I actively die for you. I like how it's like a twist on the um, 
like the force running thing. Like instead mm-hmm. of being like a cheesy, like they can run really fast because the force. No, she literally has super fast high heel boots on. That's why she runs super fucking fast. Like, I love that. I just think it's so funny. I'm actually watching an anime now where part of their shtick is, is they fly with these boots, but they have magic and they like channel the magic through the boots. So I must wonder if that's like the same thing. If the shoes like help her channel the force to run really fast. I don't know. I, I just think about like the girl boss of it all and just, how much of an icon she is you like video games um it reminded me a lot of uh the bayonetta character um i don't know if you played that game or not but she's in smash so that's the only reason why i know who she is i am Um, familiar with bayonetta okay well she has high heel shoes on that have guns in them so she literally like can kick and then they like fires the gun somehow um but that's what it reminded me of like she has these high-tech boots that can do different things so I think for me, though, the the deep reason that The Village Bride resonated with me the most is it's probably the most spiritual of all of them, mm-hmm. where they spend a lot of time, especially in the beginning, they spend a lot of time, one, connecting with the Force, which they call like Magina, I think, mm. Magina in, in the context of the episode, But it's also like super philosophical. Like I just read Edge of Balance, which is the High Republic manga. And Edge of Balance spends a lot of time talking about philosophy. I promise it's good. That does not do a good job of selling it. But I promise it's good. But a lot of that book, they they spend a lot of time talking just philosophy. And the philosophy of being a Jedi and what that means and how one connects to the Force. Uh, And I felt that a lot with The Village Bride, with its exploration of the more spiritual aspects of it. Also, the music uh, in The Village Bride, fucking incredible. Uh, Animation, absolutely breathtaking. Character designs, so fucking fun. The dude with the bucket on his head, I loved him. He was fantastic. Uh, Samuel Kim, who is a, a YouTube music composer has actually done a cover of uh the village bride the song from that one of the songs it's it's so fucking good i've literally he released a one hour version and i have listened to it so much i was gonna say this this episode reminded me uh the most of um studio ghibli movies i don't know why i just felt like the animation style was the closest and then just like the the like you said the spiritualness it very much the japanese influence the like the especially the guy with the bucket on his head or whatever that uh, yeah. character was the creators talked about like wanting to draw inspiration from the mountains of japan and i really felt that in the village bride i felt a deep love for nature the force that connects everything through it like this bond with nature uh you know, and you've got the classic story of the people who are in tune with nature and then the bandits who are using these droids, uh, which are really fucking funny in Japanese. Side note. But it definitely, like, to me, it resonated with me the most, I think, for that reason. And real fast, I will say that the one I thought was the best was The Duel. And I'm very excited to read Ronin when it comes out. But we oh. won't opine on The Duel too much because we already kind of touched on that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. No, I know. I agree. I, I thought it was the best. Honestly... I thought the duel itself was 
the best story like in terms of just like a short story like it was this best kind of set up middle and kind of such a shame that you don't know how to read i know anyway absolutely absolutely i'll just tell you whether or not ronin is good okay good deal after i read it after you read it and then i'll I'll be like great after i read it i i'm this close i'm this close because so Bradley and I do not just talk on these podcasts. We we talk a lot outside of them. And I've been trying to convince him to read Dark Disciple. And I just listened to Dooku Jedi Lost. And I've been trying to talk him into that because like a solid third of the audio drama is Asajj Ventress. But Ronan, from what I hear about it, may be a close, a close third in, in things that I may try to bully Bradley into reading if what we'll I've heard see. about it is true. We'll see in a... a Probably by the time this episode comes out, well, probably shortly after this episode comes out is when I'll get it. So let's pull the pen out of the kill <laughs> and talk about the one that you didn't like so much. Okay, so let me preface with, it's not that I didn't love it, right? I, I, I actually enjoy all of them. I think they're all really good. The one I enjoyed the least and the reason why I enjoyed it the least is because I absolutely, for 100% sure, hate the character design of one of the characters. Um, <clears throat> I thought I could get over it because when it was first announced, I thought, mm, that's going to be iffy. And then when I watched it, it bothered me so much the whole entire time watching it that I could not focus on the episode. Do you want to enlighten us on, on which character design it was? Do you, do you want to maybe, while well, we lend you an ear? <laughs> yes so the episode was lop and ocho the fucking bunny girl episode yeah i just can't i'm sorry the whole waifu culture thing is so yeah, annoying let's to me about, let's talk about the bunny girl yeah. so here's the thing about the bunny girl right i have watched the behind the scenes documentary bradley have you heard of a lepus carnivorous that sounds fake but sure no i have not uh it is it is fake um it is <laughs> Uh, but it's fake in the context of it is a fictional species. The Lepus carnivorous, more commonly known as the Lepi, are a race of, I am not making this up, green bunny people that were in the Star Wars Legends continuity. The, oh, the yeah, Marvel I know that. Comics, the Marvel comics had a character named Jackson. Yes. So actually, when... It's not that they pulled a bunny out of thin air. No, the guy I actually that, yeah. researched it and was like, oh, there's this race of bunny people. I'll use a bunny. Also, fun fact, I discovered while I was double checking this so that I could be smug to Bradley about it on the show, the Lepi are actually canon. Interesting. I did not realize this. Yeah. Uh, I actually... Where? Uh, Oh, there's, they've been in a few things. They were in flashbacks in Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, they were in a couple episodes of Forces of Destiny. They've been in a couple of the Star Wars Adventures comics where Jackson has been recanonized. They're in the Force Awakens adaptation, uh, the comic adaptation by Chuck Wendig. Uh, they are in several issues of Ghosts of Vader's Castle. They were in flashbacks in the Jedi Temple Challenge. Uh, And 
relevant to me, they're going to be in the first issue of the High Republic Trail of Shadows, the Jedi Noir comic. Hmm. They, I thought they were in like one thing. Oh, well. And no, they've been in a, they've been mentioned in a couple of different things. So I, I, I did know about Jackson, the Green Rabbit, because they made a Black Series figure of him this year. Um, so I knew about, because I look at the Black Series and I follow that. They did, a, they did a run of comic book Black Series this year, like a special, there were like special edition ones. And one of them I is Jax the Rabbit. Yeah, so um, I, that's why I knew about the Rabbits. But there is just something about making it a sexualized female rabbit that I can't fucking stand. See, I didn't, I didn't think it was terrifically sexualized, but I also wasn't really paying attention to like what the rabbit was wearing. Gotcha. I mean, it's not that it was overtly sexualized. I think it's just inherently sexualized because it's It's that. It's the idea of of you. It feels like if, if I'm understanding what you're saying, it feels like it was partially designed with this like waifu culture in mind and that influence is there and it's not necessarily that she's designed to be one but you can tell the influence is there consciously or unconsciously and that made you uncomfortable am i reading that right yeah like so if you look up um i know you can look up like different uh sketches and like her character design and stuff like that if you look at why is she wearing booty shorts why does she you know what i mean like why does she have that like those really feminine hips like and really big eyes I just you know it just felt like they were purposefully doing that and I it makes me uncomfortable that they did that because I feel like it could have been a really good story I could have paid attention more if it didn't have that distraction in there yeah I can definitely I can definitely see like seeing that angle on it so that's definitely a a valid concern to have when because I'll tell you if you change the character and you just make her a regular girl and yes, sure. She can still have the booty shorts and the big eyes and whatever. But like, if you don't make her an animal, I'm not giving the furries what they want. And so I am fine with that. Cause I think that's the problem that we're running into right now. Uh, it's, it's all of this that you've said about being uncomfortable with the sexualization and also the fact <laughs> that it is a rabbit. Right. Uh, okay. I, I see what is happening here. <laughs> uh, I see what is happening here. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's definitely a valid concern to have. I didn't really notice it as much. Uh, I was more focusing on the lady fucking biting a hole in her thumb and using it to draw like bloody makeup, <laughs> makeup on herself. On herself. <laughs> so I might not have noticed. Mm-hmm. that this stuff but yeah i can definitely see i i do watch anime sometimes and when i do when something pops up that's a little more sexualized than maybe it should be right and i'm like i know this is kind of in here it's either in here to appeal to someone or it's playing off tropes that were designed to appeal to someone Right. Then I'm like, hmm. So, I mean, and, and that's all just to say, this is just my personal opinion, guys. Like, does it mean that it was not a good story? Because it actually was a very good story. Um, and I actually thought that the episode itself, in terms of just the story, 
and the style of the animation and all that stuff was actually very good. Like I, I have to give them that because like you said, that one character, the sister character um, who ends up being like a grand admiral or something by the end. Like I was like, she's I like, like this ISB agent or something. Oh, that's right. She wears like the same outfit. Um, uh, Krennic. Director Krennic wears Krennic in Rogue wears. One. Yeah, I I fucking love that. I thought that was, I mean, she looked great. And then the fact that they have that little duel at the end together and she has, I mean, like that was, that was so much fun. So there are things that I liked about the episode. It's just that character, she can't get past it. That's actually a good segue into mine that I didn't love. Okay. Or I didn't love as much as the others for one thing that I really couldn't get over at the time uh, was Akikiri. I think I'm, I, I think it's Akikiri. Yeah, the which last is the one. final one that closes yeah. it out. So we had, we had marathoned all of them. We had watched them all in a row. And Akikiri is this beautiful, like, hidden fortress reference uh, that's uh, like a retelling of the themes that are in the prequels, particularly in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, mirrors Anakin's journey but it's so weird that it's last and the reason is because it ends on such a bleak dark note Mm -hmm. like you have these ones like T.O.B. One the twins village bride the ninth Jedi that are ending on these high hopeful optimistic notes Mm -hmm. and then Akikiri comes along as this fucking like bleak yeah bleak ending that it is, is like it, it i finished weird. it i was like it almost like downed my entire experience of watching visions having that one be laughed because yeah. it, it was beautiful and poetic and after two hours of watching two and a half hours of watching is such a weird note to end on hmm. such yeah. a weird note to end on now that you bring it up i because i honestly i totally forgot about that episode um until you just brought it back up um most but... people seem to until it gets brought up like that's I know because it, yeah it was just a weird it was just a weird episode it like it was good mm-hmm. but it was weird like the placement of it like and i get it like they wanted to to like mirror the duel in the kurosawa references but really they should have put akikiri at the beginning and the duel is the last one so you end on that high mm. note that is the duel yeah, I think so. I think you're right. That was just a like, better ending. And it's nothing against Akakiri itself. It's where it's placed in that lineup. It doesn't feel like it's in the right spot. Also, in retrospect, talking of character designs, um, RuPalp's Pod Race. Shout out to them. I listened to their Visions episode earlier today. Mm-hmm. They had a great discussion that I'm not going to rehash uh, about the design of the Sith character at the end. Okay. And how that plays into a lot of unfortunate racial stereotypes in media. That's kind of soured Akikiri a bit for me after thinking about that. Because I remember being slightly uncomfortable watching that episode and not really being able to put my finger on why. So, what it was, yeah. They did a great job of articulating what the problem with some of the design is. So, I'm not going to rehash it, but I will say, on the subject of not being super thrilled with Akakiri, right? That character design bothered me, and Rupal's Padres did a great job of elaborating to me why I felt that way. I'm not going to rehash now because we've got right. a limited period of time, and they cover it better anyway. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it on this. What, do you think moving forward? How do you think they're going to do 
a second season because clearly it was successful enough for them to do another season. Yes, um, please. Second season. Second season. So, so how do you see them doing it? So here's how I would do it. If I were the producer in charge of this, uh, what I would do is I would, I would be watching Ronan very carefully. I would be keeping my eyes on Ronan. And the reason is because anime is expensive and takes a lot to make like a lot of money and a lot of time to make. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I was going to do a continuation of some of the spinoffs, I would have the second season of Visions be just like the first one. I would have it be a series of eight or nine short films. I would have it be done by different studios, maybe even different studios than the ones who did this one, this season. Mm. And then I would also pick some, like the Ninth Jedi, could very easily see getting a manga spinoff. Edge of Balance is fucking fantastic. And if Edge of Balance proves that they can work with manga artists and creators, that could be a good way to continue some of these stories. Uh, I'd like to maybe then see do a couple of more books. So I, I would look at it, I would have a second season be completely distinct and let new creators take a crack at their short films. But I would also look into expanded publishing opportunities for maybe some of them where the story could continue. Hmm. What about what about you? What what would you like to see from a second season? Um, I I think I agree with you. I think I want to see completely brand new, all different stuff. Like I don't want to I don't want continuations of any of the stories. I want them all to be different stories. I don't mind the same studios coming back and doing another story, but I just don't want them to connect to the one that they already did. If that makes sense. So right. If they, if they bring back a studio to do another episode, they can't connect to their old episode, if that makes sense. So like, if they're going to do like, hey, all the people that did, you know, season one come back, you just have to do a continuation of your story. Like, that's fine. But then like, stick with that, that theme. Otherwise, let new people come in and do all brand new stuff. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play with that game. My final, final thought on all of Visions to close this out uh, is shout out uh, Boba Fett uh, drinking Boba tea, which is my <laughs> favorite cutaway gag of anything ever from here on out and could only happen in this show. Okay. I love that. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Case. Did we forget something? Email us at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze. And you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze.